since uh, our pal Stephen Jarose is not going to be joining us this evening, uh, I'll have to fill in for him and uh, do his intro. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to I'm Always Right Podcast. This is the Knockout Hour edition, baby. Let's go. Number three, we got a lot to talk about. UFC 294, we got Michael and Kyle and myself, Tyler. So, uh, all right, I'll hand it over to Michael. Let's get into it. Heck yeah, Tyler. Yeah, like you said, this is the Knockout Hour edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, the Merck, so Mike Merkel. Uh, we have the whaleman Kyle Budzanowski here. Uh, he is on his phone driving home, so he's going to be in and out Um I think he's on right now. So, Kyle, how are you doing? Oh, Mike, I'm doing good. Can you hear me? Yeah, good? I got you. Yeah, we're all okay, set. Mike. I'm driving home, you know, after a two-hour class. If any cops see me, they might think I'm a little inebriated, but wouldn't be the first time driving. Anyway, so it uh, feels good. Uh, 294 feels good to be back in a pay-per-view. You know, it's, it feels like it's been a long time since we got a pay-per-view. This mm-hmm. pay-per-view was a little weird. You know, that 2 p.m. start, there was a lot of weirdness that happened. Those doctors that they – I don't know who those doctors were, but that guy said, no, you didn't you didn't get your balls kicked. Then he proceeded to throw up, but, you know, <laughs> feeling good. Awesome. And then, uh, like, like Tyler said, we don't have Steven on the show, so we can't make fun of him for his picks, but we do have Tyler filling in. Tyler, how have you been the last couple weeks here? Uh, I've been doing pretty good, uh, you know. It was uh, it hurt me pretty bad watching the Lions get spanked over the weekend, but uh, you know at least I got to have some fun. You know, watch some UFC the night before, and uh, you know I'll be off camera driving home as well because uh, my wife is a nurse and she left her badge at home. So you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. we have more responsibilities and things to do than just talk about sports. You know. <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. It couldn't be me. I'm the only one that's home, ready to go for this show. But, uh, but yeah, no, we had a, a very exciting uh, UFC 294, and we're going to get into it by starting with our opening fight here. So, uh, you know, first fight out, we had Saeed Nagatamedov taking on uh, Muin uh, Garouf. And Saeed Nagatamedov, just like all the other Nagatamedovs, a minute and 13 seconds in, wins by submission. Um, all three of us last week... <laughs> predicted that. Um, I don't think anyone was too shocked by the outcome. Tyler, what did you see out of Saeed Nagatamadoff? Um, so, like all these Dagestani guys, I mean, at this point, when do we learn to just never doubt anybody with a chin-strap beard walking into the octagon? Like, And his last name is Nurmagomedov. Like, you know they're just going to be a beast on the ground. Like, all of those guys you know, and Nurmagomedov, of course, is one of them. He just has a a different level of strength. He's like a boa constrictor. You know, once he gets a hold of you, it's just hard to to get out of it. You know, especially when he gets something like a guillotine in deep. Um, you know, I was a little bummed out because I think you know if that fight went a little longer, it would have been a bit more interesting. But. uh I mean, uh, Nurmagomedov win by submission was not something I was at all surprised by. It, you know, maybe not the, the guillotine. I was expecting, you know, more of like a, a rear naked or some kind of, you know, arm leg bar. But, uh, you know, uh, what did you think? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I wasn't shocked at all. When we were doing our prediction for this fight, I thought, you know, first, second round uh, submission would be kind of the area that they would go into. Um, obviously, a minute and 13 seconds into the first round is something that's, you know, not necessarily that quickly, but um, I was very impressed overall. Um, and I think uh, Garouf is a really good opponent in the Bantamweight division for him, and he made it look really easy. Um, yeah. And so I guess the next point here is, I mean, how impressive he looked. Do you think he gets that fight with, like, a top 10 guy next, or do you think he needs a couple more under his belt before he kind of moves up um, into the, you know, the, more of the top of the Bantamweight division? I I think he deserves a top 10 shot at this point. I don't think that Bantamweight um, is as stacked as maybe some of the other divisions. And, you know, maybe if this fight went to decision, maybe if he won by split, then you could argue that he doesn't deserve the shot yet. But for him to make, uh, you know, such quick work of uh, his opponent, you know, finishing him by submission in the first round, I, I think that you know, it, it says something. That's a statement to Dana saying, hey, I'm, I'm ready for this next level. Yeah, totally. And um, just kind of looking through it, I mean, his last fight before this one, he lost by unanimous decision, but most of his other fights have been, you know, submission wins within a round or two. So, um, yes. you know, and he's, you know, 18-3 and record overall, 6-0 and when doing submissions. So, um, you know, I think he is a beast in the division and someone that I don't think they're going to be taking lightly, um, you know, for years to come here. So I do think he gets that top 10 shot sooner rather than later. Um, Me too. He has the resume for it. Yeah, especially, I, and it's kind of, you don't want to be that guy to say it, but just because, like, having that last name with Nagano Madoff, with how impressive he looks, almost kind of, like, elevates him faster, I think. I, I, I was just going to say that. Like, he's he's a fun fighter to watch. And on top of that, having the last name Nurmagomedov does not hurt his chances of getting mm -hmm. that top ten. You know, uh, like, that that last name, it's kind of a draw for the audience. Uh, you know, everybody still talks about Khabib. Everybody knows that last name. Uh, so, like, you know, UFC knows that they can use that name to promote his fights. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and I think you see it how his last couple fights were either on you fight nights or. Oh, I was just gonna, I was just gonna say how his last couple fights are on you know the prelims or on fight nights, and this is his first real main main card, main mm -hmm. number card. So I think they're giving him that trust, kind of like they did with Sean O'Malley a couple years ago, where they put him in the intro of the UFC cards, he shows off, and now it's like, man, he could be a player now. So I think it's I think it's something there. But uh, yeah. speaking of speaking of these uh, crazy guys, uh, the next fight here, we had our middleweight fight. Ikram Akhlaev, uh knocks out Walery Alvarez in, uh, in the first round, two minutes into the first round, with that flying knee combo that he threw. Um I mean, walk me through this one too. I mean, how did you how did you like him? I mean, two minutes into the first round, getting the knockout is pretty insane for the middleweights. Yeah, yeah, that was that was crazy. So I had um I had him winning. Um, what I think was crazy about that fight is like with a lot of the other 
you know, Dagestan, that type of uh, – there, one, one second, Michael. Oh, no, you're good. Yeah, I'll, throw this one, I'll throw this one over to Kyle real quick here then. Uh, I mean, you, you got these, you know, crazy Dagestani guys. I mean, what was, your, what was your reaction to this one? I mean, wasn't able to watch these fights or the first few fights. Had a prior commitment. But, you know, I picked and won, obviously. We had if, – if you look at the pictures – of every single guy who won on every single fight for this whole card, you could find a, a chin strap beard. Mm-hmm. And, and you just knew that that guy was going to either dominate with strikes or easy submission or easy ground upon. And we saw a pure domination on the feet this time, and I wasn't able to watch it. So I don't know the complexities of what was, what was happening, how he was dominated. I know I saw that flying knee. Everyone kind of saw that one. That was crazy. But mm-hmm. watching stats, you could tell it was just pure domination on the feet. And I mean, what else do you expect from the the the, the, the boys with the the beads? Like I like to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll shoot that over to you. Well, uh, you know, keep going on your point on on this little white fight. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry about that. Um, so w- what I saw with a lot of these fights in in the main card. Um, so. What uh, what he did, I, I thought was impressive. You know, like we saw a lot of them kind of hang back initially. You know, like all, all those Dagestani guys, their style. You know, they they hang back and they like to analyze mm-hmm. like when the right time is to strike, and it's usually for takedowns, right? But like he ended up catching him with that uh, switch knee. Not only a switch knee, but a switch flying knee, which was beautifully timed. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe the way that he got that to land. And then, you know, when he had him right up against the cage, I mean, it was perfect. He just rained down punches. I mean, you could argue that, you know, the, you know, the other guy, he's trying to dip, slip, you know, make a miss. But I, I don't think, you know, if I'm – you know, calling that fight, if I'm the ref, I don't think I could let that last any longer. I mean, he was just getting battered. Yeah, this this felt very textbook um, combo to kind of a finish um, that you see all the time here, where he hits him with that knee, he kind of shutters him down, and then every follow-up punch felt like perfect, like perfectly timed, right in the right spot, and it was like after yeah. two or three punches, I was like, there's no way to keep this fight going any longer. Like he was, right. he was out, and it was it was pretty pretty easy win here, I think, for Ekrom. Um, so I guess same question with Saeed. Uh, I'll ask for Ekrom here. I mean, he doesn't have as much of the resume. He is fifteen and one um, as a as an overall fighter, but I don't think you know he's kind of been around the scene as much as Saeed. Uh, where do you right. see kind of Ekrom's next next fight and next opportunity being? And 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 that was against uh, Alves, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elvis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Alves, Alves he, he's no slouch. Right. It was an impressive finish. I think, you know, pe- people always kind of like to say, you know, that was an impressive finish whenever anyone gets knocked out. I don't necessarily think that's always the case, but I, I would say that for this fight be- just because of the precision of that switch knee 
and the timing of it. He knew exactly when to throw that and where to put that knee. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, like, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll compare it to, like, Derek Lewis's knee last time he fought. It was a great knockout. I don't know if I would consider it as impressive as Ikram's just because it was not nearly as technical. You know, he just kind of went in there, you know, jumped with his knee up like like he was throwing an NBA layup and it just happened to land on the guy's chin. But this was timed out. This was precise. This was, you know, he meant to throw that knee for a reason. He meant to throw it exactly where it landed. I mean, that that was, that was just a crazy finish. Yeah, and I like you explaining how, like, a lot of the knee strikes or the high kicks, they kind of look like accidental in a sense like like it's kind of just like a a kick or a knee just to just to kind of change it up a little bit but Ikram's knee looked like he like like it was a planned attack and he hit him right in the spot that he wanted him to so um yeah I think I mean he looked really impressive to me do you think this would warrant a a um a top you know middleweight guy or are we still kind of you want to see a little more out of him before he kind of takes that jump now this one is a little bit more borderline to me because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there there are some names in middleweight, especially now that uh, I, I don't know if Kamaru Usman is going to continue to fight middleweight, um, but he's somebody that I think deserves to, to be up there in that top ten conversation, even though he hasn't um, won a middleweight fight yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Uh, with uh, with Ikram, I would say the the style in which he won. I think I wouldn't say he de- deserves to fight a guy who's top five, maybe not even top eight. But if you want to throw him in a fight against you know the number nine or ten contender, or maybe somebody who's just outside of that, I don't think that's ridiculous at all. I would say the the fashion in the way that he he won this fight against Alves uh, gives him some. Uh, street cred in the UFC enough to warrant, you know, giving him some better competition. Yeah, definitely. Um, just trying to look up the divisional rankings here really quick to see who's kind of in that, you know, maybe yeah. the, the five to ten range in the middleweights and who a good opponent would be. I mean... Um, because his, his fight IQ looked ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The, the, the same with... Uh, Everybody who won on the main card, it, it, it was fight IQ, fight IQ, fight IQ. But yeah. Yeah, so I actually – so right here I have uh, – so guys like uh, Derek Brunson, um, Roman uh, Dulizzi, um, Martin Vittori – Marvin Vittori. I think those are some guys that I would be kind of interested in. And if they want to give um, Ikram a chance at a top ten guy, like a lower top end top ten guy, I think there are some guys out there that'd be interested to to see how I he think, kind of fares at this point. I I would like to see him fight uh, Vittori. I think I think Vittori is uh, he's got some name recognition, um, mm-hmm. being one of the main uh, Italian fighters. Um, yeah. Like yeah. every. 
Italy loves him. You know, like he's uh, he's quite popular over there for obvious reasons. But I mean, there, there's not many Italian fighters in the UFC, so everybody knows his name. And uh, he was, you know, in the top five long enough to where, um, you know, people know him outside of Italy. So I think I think that'll. Uh, draw enough attention to the fight to where, you know, Ikram has a chance to prove himself and uh, get himself in that conversation to where, you know, that'll be his next step to get his top five shot. Yeah, totally. And, I, you know, if this fight was one of those fights that main evented, you know, a February fight card or a March fight card or a fight night card, I mean, you can't really go wrong with, like, a Marvin Ventori versus Ikram, uh, you know, main event five-round fight. I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch. So, um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Dana White, listen to this, make it happen kind of thing. Uh, but uh, moving on, so we had uh, the light heavyweight fight between Johnny Walker and Ankalaev. Unfortunately, ends in a no contest, um, hitting the – the ex- I think they called it an accidental knee to the face from Ankalaev to Johnny Walker. And then um, – the doctor ruled Johnny Walker was unable after like 30 seconds, which I thought was a little crazy. Um, I mean, it was just kind of a big letdown for you. And when are they going to rematch um, early next year? When, when are we looking at? Yeah, um, it, it was a bit of a letdown for me because I love watching Uncle Ive. Um, he's, he's been pretty electric, I think, in the octagon so far every fight that I've seen. Uh, now, I don't know if, if we're going to call that an accidental knee. Uh, That's what they were calling it. They were saying it was like an unintentional or accidental knee to a down opponent or something. Or if he would have lost yeah, it. So. It, it would have been DQ otherwise. And you, exactly. you hate to see fights end like that. Like, uh, like the Jan and Sterling fight the first time. You know, when Jan needs Sterling and he got DQ'd, and it just – I'm glad this ended in a no contest instead of a DQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you hate to see any fight end like this, especially, you know, with how good Uncle Ives, uh, Uncle Ives, excuse me, uh, looked in the fight before that happened. You know, to, to me that was kind of a letdown because they're – this is another guy that is quickly rising through the rankings. Yeah, and I mean, I guess before I kind of get break into the fight a little bit, do you think that the the doctor stopped it too early? Like, do you think Johnny Walker should have had a little more? Because generally they give the guy like five minutes, and then if they can't, you know, figure things out, then they kind of call it. I feel like the doctor called after like a minute. And I was yeah, like, I was like giving some time in the heat of the moment to like get his bearings and stuff after getting needed in the face. They they should have took the full five minutes. I mean, you can you can check the guy's pupils all you want, but let's be honest. You know, they're, these guys are getting concussions every fight, whether the fight gets stopped or not, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and not to cut you off, but I think – I think what they said afterwards was the doctor asked Johnny Walker where he was, and he said the desert, and they called it that he didn't know where he was, which I was like, Abu Dhabi, the desert, isn't necessarily, like, so far off. It it, it could be, like, a bit of a language barrier thing. We don't really know. I mean, if 
I, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and argue with the doc, right? But the, what I will say, you know, in uh, you know, g- giving the doc the benefit of the doubt, even though I hate the stoppage, is that like you know, with with knees and kicks to the head, you know, it's, especially knees where it's such a short distance, where you know the leg coming out of that chamber just still has so much speed and force. I mean, when, when you're talking about head trauma like that, I mean, it, it's better to be safe than sorry because, I mean, who knows, you know, how much his dome got rattled, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, no, 100%. I'm, I'm not, like, saying that they should have kept going with the fight or anything. I just think that they should have waited a little longer and really, like, tried to figure out if he was okay. Because right after they called it, he started, like, walking out like he was fine. So, like, yeah, it, was, it was one of those, like, I was like – I kind of wish they would have just took a few more minutes to see if he could have gone, because I think this fight could be a lot of fun, regardless. I, I would have liked to see that as well. And, and obviously, they're, they're going to run the rematch. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the question is, I mean, is that is that a fight night main event early next year, do you think? Is that is that kind of where we're leaning? Um, yeah, fight night main event, or if they throw it on another main card. To me, it doesn't matter. I think it would be a little more fun if they threw it on a fight night, you know, give us a little something to look forward to before the next main card. Yes. Like like we talked with the Ecrom one, I think throwing some of these up and rising big name guys, I think on these fight nights, I think it could be a lot of fun. So Ecrom throwing them on the next one, I think this fight in general, throwing it on, you know, one of the next fight nights, I think um, would get a lot of eyeballs on for a a card that's usually not that good. Yep, and the, and the reason that I, I would like to see it on a fight night, too, rather than the main card is because, uh, you know, with a fight ending and no contest like that, you know, I, I'd like to see five rounds because I don't want there to be any kind of, uh, any kind of, not not debate, but I want the, the winner of the fight to be a little bit more clear, less less up for debate. You know, I want somebody to go out there, you know, five rounds and really make a name for themselves. So that way we can say, you know, this ended in a draw the first time, but one of these guys, you know, clearly came out on top in this five-round rematch, you know. Whereas, you know, sometimes, sometimes in a, in a three-round match, you, you don't always – you get these split decisions that you could make an argument one way or the other, and that just happens less often through five rounds. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, and, I, I mean, there's not a lot for the fight itself to get into here, obviously, because it only went three minutes before that stoppage. But I'd be excited to uh, hopefully see this fight kind of down the line in the next couple months. Uh, to see yeah. who really comes out and if Uncle Live can really come out um, and beat Johnny Walker or Johnny Walker gets that big upset because he was the underdog by plus 260, so it would have been yep. interesting either way. Um, but I think it's time now. I mean, we're we're good 25 minutes into this, and we haven't even gotten to the big two fights yet here. And I know Kyle's been dying to talk about these, so I'll invite him in if he's uh, if he's in, in range as well here for this first one. Uh, middleweight fight, we had Kamaru Usman. Taking on Hamza Chimaev. Uh obviously Chimaev takes the uh, majority decision win over Kamaru Usman. I'll throw this one to Kyle since you know he's been uh, listening to us chat for the last twenty minutes here. Kyle, uh, what did you what did you see out of Hamza and and, and how do you think about this fight? 
Oh man, you know, it was a, I mean, it was a tale of two fights, and you know, there's obviously the first round, which was all Hamzat, so much that it was basically a clear 10-8 round to everybody. He took, uh, he was able to easily take Kamaru Usman down. He was able to control him. He was able to take the back. Uh, by the end of the first round, I was like, my God, like this is. I'm surprised he even made it. And so going into that second round, I'm like, ah, oh, this is not looking good for Kamaru. But then all of a sudden, all that high-intensity energy that Hansat usually has was gone. And he was very – he was very – he slowed down a lot. He was very kind of cautious on what he, he – didn't, he didn't throw any takedowns. He, he was just kind of picking and choosing. And Kamaru was able to kind of fight back into this fight a little bit. And it was pretty similar in the third round, you know. Hamza had not nearly as much energy as he had the first round. Mm-hmm. And Kamara was able to kind of pick, pick him apart a little bit. And and um, Hamza was able to get that late takedown that basically ended the fight, which, I'm, which I think basically saved him from it being a draw. Because if he didn't get that takedown, I was like, hey, we might get a draw if he got that 10-8 first round. And Kamara got the last two rounds, like, we could be looking at a draw, but I, but I think he just went for that last take down just to basically take the round, and and I was like, my God, like, we went so fast from an absolute barn burner by Hamza to a very close fight, and I mean, props to props to Usman, because he was able to weather that kind of early storm, and mm-hmm. I was thinking, I was thinking earlier, like, man, if if, if UFC fights are one round, Hamza Chimaev would be the greatest fighter of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 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 would Conor McGregor. Yeah, yeah, Tyler. I mean, um, you know, you see kind of two sides of Hamza here. First round, he looked almost unbeatable. Uh, second and third round, you really saw the champion mentality and Kamar Usman kind of come out and kind of weather the storm and survive and really take advantage in the second and third round. Um, did you see Hamza winning? I think the judges had him at twenty nine, twenty eight. If I yeah, 29-27. Um, is that kind of how you had it scored, or were you closer to the the twenty eight twenty eight? No, I, I I'm gonna give uh, Hamza the the edge here. Uh, I think he did enough the first round to to win the fight. Um, I think that, like Kyle said, was a clear ten eight round. Mm-hmm. But uh, I did. I like a lot of what I saw from Usman, even in the first round. I mean, uh, Hamza, you know, the, the last few fights, he, he just has this habit of always coming out swinging. You know, we, we saw it last time against Kevin Holland, you know, e- even though that was a bit of a cheap shot with that, uh, you know, glove tap or missed glove tap. Mm-hmm. Uh but when he came out, you know, just throwing haymakers against Usman, that first takedown that Hamzat had, I mean, you know, people kind of forget now that uh, Kamaru Usman was initially, you know, a grappling specialist. And you kind of saw that there. He had to work for that first takedown. And, you know, after he broke him down a bit on the mat, the next couple got a bit easier. But, uh, you know, we really saw that cardio come into play later in the fight and uh Kamaru Usman I mean he's got some of the best endurance in the UFC we've seen that in previous fights and we saw it uh over the weekend uh and I think if that was five rounds I I wouldn't be surprised if uh Usman would win that 
Uh, I think really the the last takedown, like Kyle said, is really what sealed the deal. But uh, you know, it was leaning more towards Usman near the end. I think. Yeah, no, I think it was leaning Hamza here. Um, or oh, sorry, I think it was leaning. I think Usman was getting the momentum and really kind of pushing yeah. for the draw until Hamza kind of got got that last takedown. Um, but speaking of both these guys, I mean, both these guys are now in very different situations. Uh, Hamza, you know, now is unofficially, officially the number one contender for the middleweight fight or middleweight title for Sean Strickland. That's going to be Sean Strickland's next fight. And Kamaru Usman is kind of up in the air. Uh, I guess we can start with Hamza here. I mean, where do you see stylistically him matching up with Sean Strickland? And how do you, how do you see that future fight for the middleweight title kind of playing out at this point? Sorry, were you whoever, talking to me? I mean, I mean, whoever wants to take it. I mean, okay. Kyle hasn't been on a lot, so I could, we can throw oh, to okay. Kyle, but I, it was kind of yeah, anyway. Sure. sure. No, but yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about this one a lot, and like it's, it's almost like if we once we see this fight, it's like we're gonna see the exact same thing. And if Hamza, well, I guess we could say this. Hamza did say that he might have broke his hand, so you know, for whatever that means, maybe he broke his hand, and that's why he was looking, but. He's, it's kind of it's kind of been a theme with Hamza is where he is basically a crazy man in the first round, and then if he can't get that first round finish, then it's going to be a lot slower for the next however many rounds. But with that being said, I feel like we're going to be seeing the exact same thing. I mean, obviously Sean Strickland is a lot different than Kamar Usman stylistically. He's very defensively defensively intelligent, likes to strike when he gets his opportunities. But I feel like if in a five round fight like, Hamza never fought in a five-round fight. Like, if if he gets tired after one round and he's going to fight four more rounds, mm-hmm. as as much of an advantage as I think he has, as Hamza has on the ground over Strickland, if Strickland can just get out of that first round, I think Strickland would win that one easily. Because because if, if Hamza has to make it a stand-up, pick-your-poison game, then I feel like Sean Strickland showed us that he could do that all day. And... And as if you would have asked me this before this Usman fight, I would have been like, uh, I don't know, Hamza's kind of just a beast, and he's will just. And Sean Strickland isn't really known. I mean, he's got good defensive wrestling. He's able to defend takedowns very well, but so was Usman, and he was only taken down once prior to this fight, and then he got taken down four times by Hamza, which is just a crazy stat just to even think about. But I I I I'm liking Sean Strickland a lot in this fight if he can just get if. If he can just get through that first round, I mean, if if Hamza gets his back, you know, he's able to to get the the the, the rear naked choke or something like that. Like it could be wraps and it could be over before we know it. But as far as if this fight can go the distance, I like Sean Strickland a lot. And I guess Tyler, same thing to you. I mean, do you do you like Hamza kind of early projections out stylistically against Sean, or do you think Sean would have an edge? going in as champion, having that five-round experience. Now, uh, you know, to answer that, I'll kind of circle back a bit to uh, the Usman-Hamza fight. Now, you know, I don't think uh, until Hamza we've seen Usman fight a guy that strong before, you know, with maybe the exception of Gilbert Burns. Um, But, you know, Hamza was clearly a, a lot stronger 
physically than the competition that Usman has faced before. And, you know, that really showed um, in the, the takedowns and uh, Usman's ground defense. And, uh, you know, we, we saw that champion mentality a bit, you know, in those uh, last two rounds, you know, he kind of got a, a rude awakening in round one and then went, you know, all right. And then, you know, put up a bit of a better fight. But, uh, you know, re- relating this to uh, the Strickland uh, matchup potentially between uh, him and Hamza, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll say, you know, Rounds one and two, I think uh, if it ends in a finish, I'm going to say most likely uh, that finish is going to be completed by Hamza. I think if the fight ends early, Hamza probably wins by submission. I think if it ends early in a knockout, it's probably Strickland. And I think if that fight goes the distance, uh, it'll most likely be Strickland coming out on top. Now, you know, the one... uh, one way I see it maybe going Tomzot's way if it lasts all five rounds is because of his strength. He just showcases his strength in almost every fight. And I think if he's able to time his takedowns properly, like he did in the Usman fight, like when Usman went to step in and engage, uh, Kamayev, he went straight to the shot and took him down. I think if he can do that against Strickland and just, you know, use that strength to his advantage to maul him and keep him on the ground, if he can do that for five rounds, I see no reason why he can't win by decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think I think stylistically this is a very interesting fight. I think, like you said, outside of Gilbert Burns, he's never really had a guy who's even really comparatively stronger than him, I feel like. And that's the only fight that he's ever gone to the third round in. Every other fight's been first or second round finishes. And so, um, Stylus is the, I think him and Sean Strickland is going to be a very interesting fight. Um, and I think it could really go either way. And then speaking of the, the competitor in that, Kamar Usman, I mean, loses his uh, welterweight title and then moves up to middleweight, loses that first fight. I mean, do we think... And I'll throw this one to Tyler because Kyle's muted right now, so I'm assuming he's driving still. Um, do you think uh, that Usman should stay in middleweight and kind of explore that option, or do you think he should go back to welterweight and kind of, you know, creep back into there? What's kind of what are we thinking on, on Usman's next move? Um, I, I think I personally would would rather see him go back to welterweight. You know, I think I want to see him get the belt back before he gets really overzealous and uh, tries to crack into the top five in middleweight. You know, because, uh, you know, we, we've seen guys try to do that a lot, you know, from feather to lightweight. You know, we saw it, you know, obviously with, you know, Vulcan Makachev just last weekend. But it's mm-hmm. That's a much bigger jump from 170 to 185 than from 145 to 155. You know, you feel that that weight difference more in those uh, heavier uh, weight classes just because they're more spaced out. You're talking 15 pounds instead of only 10, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so, and, and, and you know, you, 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 you,
I, I'd like to see him go back to Welter uh, for now. And uh, if, if we see a bit of Usman of old and he continues to dominate in uh, his own weight class, then I don't see any issue with him going up to middleweight because he's a big guy. He could easily fight at 185. Mm-hmm. Who, who, so obviously, you know, losing Leon Edwards twice, he couldn't really go back that avenue right away. Um, right. Is, 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 you know, maybe a Colby Covington after his fight with Leon Edwards, someone that would pique interest? Or where do you think in the welterweight um, sphere would be a good, you know, next fight for Usman then? Yeah, I, I want to see uh, Usman fight somebody in the top five, just not the champ quite yet. You know, I don't think anybody's quite ready to see an Edwards Usman 3. Depending yeah. on how this yeah. next fight shakes out uh, between him and Colby Covington, I mean, if Covington loses, I think Usman is kind of like the no-brainer next uh, mm-hmm. next challenger mm-hmm. for the title. If uh, Covington wins, you know, maybe Usman has to fight once more before getting another title shot. Yeah, and the two guys, I mean, if if we're going to talk welterweight here, that I think would be interesting, that uh, Shafgat uh, Rachmanov, who's taking out Stephen Thompson, at, uh, I think, I believe it's uh, at that 296 card, I think he could be interesting, or even uh, Bilal Muhammad, I think is also, I think both those could be interesting, you know, borderline top five fights for Usman to kind of get back into the division a little bit. Um, Yep, Uh, I think a Bilal Muhammad fight would be great for him right now. Yeah, and I think he's, uh, if this is accurate, I think he's third or fourth in the, in the welterweight rankings right now, so it would be a nice style, like, the number to, I think, um, to fight at. And if Bilal wins, I mean, that's a nice, you know, jump start into, you know, kind of yep. too. Uh, agreed. I think I think it's a great fight for, for both fighters, uh, uh, Bilal Muhammad versus Usman. I, I'd like to see that. Yeah, uh, Kyle, do you have any any last thoughts here on Usman before we get to the main event here for, from the show? I mean, as far as matchups, I mean, just looking at like the if you're looking at the welterweight top ten, if you're trying to find a matchup for for Kamar Usman, it's hard because a lot of the guys in the top ten and top fifteen are all those young up and comers. You know, like you said, Shafkat Rachmanov. I don't think anybody wants to fight that guy right now. I'm surprised that he's fighting uh, a Wonder Boy. I'm surprised Warner Boys didn't even take that fight because that's Shafkat is the killer. He's undefeated. And I'm just surprised anyone else wants to fight. But you got Vincente Luque. You got him fighting Ian Machado Gary. That's the top 10 right there. And obviously, he's already fought Gilbert Burns. And as far as Bilal Muhammad, it's just, I just feel like Bilal Muhammad thinks that he already deserves a title shot, especially after what he was able to do to Gilbert Burns. He feels like he has already fought through beating everyone he needs to beat. He said that. Obviously, he below remember the name Muhammad doesn't get a lot of name recognition. It's kind of funny, mm-hmm. but you know, but I feel like he would he would not want to take that fight because because he does not want to have to fight Kamar Kamar Usman to get to the title because he feels like he already deserves that title shot whenever you know Leon Edwards and Kobe Covington fight. And I mean, I feel like I mean it's very dependent on you know Kamar Usman is up there in age. It's, is, is he able to make that weight cut anymore? I, like like we were talking about, there's a big weight difference between 170 and 185. And I feel like there's a lot of good matchups in middleweight too. I mean, Trick is Duplessis, he just smashed Robert Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's going to be waiting for his title shot. But you got Paul Acosta, Marvin Vittori, Derek Cannonier. I love all those matchups. But 
I mean, what I feel like he's just going to do whatever his body will let him do at this point, wherever he feels more comfortable. And yeah, I and, up to him. yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying he should jump into something right away, but you know, I think you know, planning something strategically to get either high in the in the in the welterweight where he was champion for a while, or kind of borderline middleweight, maybe not taking on the number one contender in the middleweight, maybe trying to jump down a little bit just to get your feet wet in middleweight. I think would be a good option for sure. Um, and speaking of, we have this main event here that went some ways that some people on this panel thought and some ways that did not think. Uh, Islam Makachev knocks out Alexander Volkanovsky. I don't believe in, like, um, what do you call it? Um, like, I, I said that I couldn't imagine either one of these guys getting knocked out. And then right when I said it, Alexander Volkanovsky got, like, kicked and knocked out. So blame me if you want. But Islam Makachev takes the win here uh, by kick and then follow-up punches in three minutes in the first round, retains the lightweight title, and is pound for pound the second overall fighter of uh, the Tuesday rankings. Tyler, I mean, I know you watched this one. What were your thoughts? I I did not expect that to go that way. I mean, let, let's be honest. Nobody ever expects Volk to get knocked out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a head kick, man. Uh, I, I would have thought if uh, Makachev won, it would have been by submission or decision. Mm-hmm. Not that he doesn't have the uh, the knockout power, but uh, just Volk. I thought, even given with how their first fight went, he would have had the uh, advantage striking. I mean, uh, in their first fight, you know, we saw, you know, Volk got sad a couple of times, you know, but he had a tough enough chin to kind of weather those big shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I thought it was going to be more of what we saw in, in the first fight, where his game plan was kind of to do that switch up that switch stance going, you know, between regular and southpaw to kind of throw Makachev off of his game and force him to kind of have to try to step in and engage and maybe, you know, take shots, go for a takedown, you know, giving him an opportunity to maybe counter with some punches or a knee or uh, some kind of kick. Uh, But, you know, like I was saying earlier, man, uh, for some reason, you know, the whole car of these uh, Dagestani fighters just had that really high fight IQ, uh, went in with a solid game plan, uh, timed and executed that plan perfectly. And mm-hmm. uh, he set up that leg kick, uh, kick excuse me, very nicely, and uh, it worked out for him. You know, he, he, he domed Volk and uh, then just, you know, went for the ground and pound, and it was over before we knew it. Yeah, I mean, it was it was not what I was expecting at all from this, um, especially when Volkanovski came out in the press conferences and said that he was going to be a little more aggressive and try to, you know, be more aggressive in the early rounds because that's kind of what killed him in the last fight. Um, I didn't expect him to kind of just get caught with that leg kick so early. Uh, Kyle, we watched this fight together. Um, what were your thoughts on, on this volkanovski Jeff fight? All right, I need you to listen. I need you to listen close. This is, okay. this is only for Steven. So everyone else does not need to listen. I told Michael before this fight, I said, Michael, you cannot let Steven get emotional when he's making picks. Like with Kamaru Usman and with Alexander Volkanovsky. 
Like I was saying, well, actually, the last podcast that actually doesn't even exist. Um, our previews of, of this pod, of, of this card uh, are in the void. We may never hear them again. But like I did say in our preview of UFC 394, both Kamaru Usman and Alexander Volkanovsky have to come off 12 days' notice to fight some of the most dangerous guys in the world. And like I said with the last fight, the exact same happened with this fight. Alexander Volkanovsky was able to defend Islam's takedown. His takedown defense was very good. But Islam Makachev's striking defense and striking was way better than absolutely anybody thought. And all I heard basically since the last fight was, Alexander Volkanovsky, if he can just get one more fight, you know, he won that fight. It wasn't even close. He cooked Islam, uh, yada, yada, yada. And I think it's time we put some respect on Islam Makachev's name. Because he went out there, and like we all knew, Volk was not, could not be prepared. That, that's what I was telling Michael. Like, I was telling Michael, like, I, I wish that this fight was on just normal terms so I could see the best version of both guys. And obviously, Alexander Volkanovsky wasn't at his best. But with mm-hmm. that being said, Islam Makachev was able to pick apart. I mean, given that the fight was not very long, we do not have a lot of statistics to to go off of. But Islam Makachev was able to pick apart Alexander Volkanovsky while at the same time not getting hit. I think, I don't know the exact stat, but Volkanovsky only had like, it was like five or six significant strikes the whole fight. And Islam went like 24 for 29. Like he was like above 80%. And that's just crazy. If you would have, if you would have said something like that, like before the first fight, I would have been like, there's no way this guy, this Islam guy is a, he's a wrestler. He's like a Khabib. And now, I mean, like he basically Khabib, but he can actually throw punches. And it's crazy. <laughs> And, I mean, like, I don't want to be like the guy who was like, oh, I saw this one coming. But all of the factors that kind of came together, it was easy for me to see what was going to happen. No, did I think that he was going to knock him out? No, not at all. I mean, Volkanovski's never been knocked out in the UFC. I don't think anyone thought he was going to get K- well, TKO, technically, but he was out. But. Mm-hmm. Islam Makhtev was able to set up that head kick with the low kicks. He was able to kind of pick him apart, did not let Volkanovski do anything on the feet. And then all it took was this, just that one shot, and it was weird. It, was like, it wasn't like it was like a traditional head kick. It was kind of like a low kick that came from bottom to top and kind of kind of snipped him along the top of the dome. But, you know, sometimes, you know, that's, that's MMA for you. Sometimes that's all it takes. And it was over like that. And, I mean... Now that now that John Jones is going to be out for eight more months, I think it's time we put Islam number one pound for pound because if you could beat Alexander Volkanovsky twice in a row, mm-hmm. I think that's deserved to be number one pound for pound. But you know, that's just yeah. Me. Yeah, I do think I do think you have a point there. Um, I think when you look at and I know college football is not the perfect example of how to do power rankings by any means, but you know when when you're a team that beats you know three two or three ranked teams, you usually you know move above people that haven't played anybody. That's normally how the rankings work. I mean, Islam going out and beating the pound for pound third best fighter in the world at this point, 
or at least, if not, he was the second best fighter twice, one by decision and the other one by definitive knockout or TKO. I mean, is Islam Makachev the number one pound for pound guy in the world now, or would you still say it's John Jones? Tyler, I'll throw this one to Tyler because obviously Kyle, he threw his opinion out there. Uh, this is a tough call to me. Um, I think. Hmm, I think I'm still going to give it to John Jones, and and this is the the only reason for this is because uh, you know John Jones has obviously dominated every fight he's been in even the one that he quote-unquote lost. Uh, and, I mean, light heavy to heavy, I mean, that is a, a jump. You're talking 205 to 265, you know, anywhere in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for him to be so dominant in such a wide range of weight, I mean, you're talking 60 pounds. I mean, that that's huge, and that says a lot. And for a long time, uh heavyweight looked like it was just going to be in Ganu's reign of terror forever until he left, you know, and then the fight between him and Jones getting canceled still kind of, well, not canceled, but, you know, never, uh, never happening. It still breaks my heart, but mm-hmm. Cyril God was that next guy behind Ganu that looked like, all right, th- this guy's for real, you know, it's not like, you know, we, we got a dude just out here who's out of shape throwing haymakers. No, we got a guy who's 245 with abs who John Jones just decimated. I mean, him slapping himself before getting in the octagon was like the most damage he took the whole fight. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, and, and I think, Islam is a close, close second because before Volk lost over the weekend, I mean, he was, in my eyes, I think the the clear pound-for-pound number one guy in the world because uh, there are some – there, there's not as much competition for John Jones in heavyweight as there is for uh, Volkanovski in featherweight. And for him to be able to, you know, just dominate featherweight the way that he has and then go toe-to-toe with the the champ in lightweight the way he did the first time around, uh, it, it said a lot about him as a fighter. And, and I think, uh, you know, no nobody's disputing how great he is. Uh, mm-hmm. And for Islam to beat him twice – and in spectacular fashion, second time, he, he's a close second to John Jones, but I'm still going to have to give it to John Jones. Okay. Yeah, I think I think it's just worth the conversation with uh, what Islam's been able to do in the last, you know, year, year and a half or so. I think it's, a, you know, a legit conversation now. Uh, and speaking of Islam, I mean, you know, we're – obviously he's the champion, and in his post-fight press conference um, – or in Dana White's post-fight press conference, they asked if he was going to maybe jump off to welterweight at one point. Uh, Dana White said maybe after a year, a year and a half of him defending the title, so that won't be coming anytime soon. 
or at least in the near future. So what's Islam's next fight are we looking at? Are we looking at Charles Oliveira getting his shot in there? I know Justin Gaethje, if you were to ask Steven here, uh, you know, just knocked out uh, Dustin Poirier a couple months ago. So I think he has something to say about that picture. I mean, where do you guys think the next lightweight title fight comes out of? I I would personally – I would rather see it go to Gaethje because uh, – correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Gaethje say something about he, he's not going to be, you know, in the octagon much longer? Yeah, I think I think his most recent stuff was he's got, like, one last real run in the yeah. champion. I, I really I, – I, I want to see him go for it all but before he decides to hang it up. And – I think he's he's earned the right at a title shot before he decides to retire. Uh, you know, not not that uh, Oliveira is uh, too far off himself, but uh, you know, Oliveira. I mean, he he had his shot against uh, Makachev and, and and lost, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I think Gaethje is the the next guy up. You know, we we saw Oliveira fight him. He lost. Uh, so Gaethje to me seems like the, the next clear contender after Oliveira to be getting the title shot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, uh, he's a guy, man, who I think you, you got to have a tough chin to, <laughs> to fight Gaethje, uh, even more so than Volk in my opinion. So it'll be interesting to see, uh, how Makachev's striking, uh, evolves against a guy like Yeah, totally. And I mean, in defense of Oliveira here, I mean, his he lost the title to Makachev back in October 2022, beat uh, Darnouche in in June of 2023, and those were his last couple fights. So you know, losing the title, never really getting that rematch, and then having a win since then, I think is also pretty impressive. Kyle, I'll throw it to you. Where do you think uh, Islam's next fight comes out of? Do you think it's Oliveira? Do you think it's KG? Do you think it's someone else that we haven't uh, you know named yet? No, man, no. It's definitely it's definitely going to be either Gaethje or Oliveira, and I do really like the Gaethje matchup. I mean, I think Gaethje is similar to Volkanovski in that he's very proficient in striking. He's very defensively strong. He's very He has very good defensive wrestling. I don't think he's as well-rounded as Volkanovski, but, you know, he's got more length, and I really like that matchup. But it's just so hard for me to get over the fact Every time I think, like, oh, man, should, should Charles – I mean, obviously he was supposed to get this chance, but, you know, the thing turned out how they turned out. But it's so hard for me to get over how when Gaethje had the chance to, to win the lightweight title and Charles missed weight and they said, screw it, fight anyway. But only Gaethje can win the title. And if Charles wins, it's whatever. And then they went out and fought and Charles beat him handily. It's just so hard for me to get over how how kind of that how everything happened and Charles was still able to beat him when Gaethje had the championship right there and when Charles you know won his number one contender fight against Benil Darius to get the title fight again and I I mean obviously we saw what happened in the first fight so it could be you know Islam could handle him again and we could have we could should should have wanted Gaethje the whole time but it's just so hard for me to get over that fact. 
Yeah, no, that's totally fair, too. Um, I think, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily be angry at either one. I think they're both awesome, and I think Islam versus either one. Or if you wanted to do Oliveira Gaethje again, and that's like a number one contender fight for uh, Islam down the line. I think you no know, any kind of combination of the two against Islam is something I'd be down for. And then speaking of Volkanovski, to kind of wrap up this 294 uh, cast here, I mean, take the loss here. He's going to be going back to to featherweight to defend the title again. Um, I guess not necessarily, you know, because obviously, you know, he has contenders lined up, whether it's Elia Tatora or um, his name, blank, I'm blanking on who he's fighting. Um, but should Volkanovski really try to jump into that fight in January, or do you think they should let that breathe a little and let that be a number one contender or an interim fight before Alexander Volkanovski fights again? Because I think Vulcan might be fighting a little too soon. Am I worried that he's going to get caught again, and then it's going to be like a slow decline of Alexander Volkanovsky that I don't want to see yet? Uh, I'm I'm not too worried about that. I think that uh, Volkanovsky is one of those rare fighters where um, he's he's just got that mentality where he's just not affected by things like that. I think that. You know, in this fight over the weekend, probably the the reason he lost is, uh, you know, Volk went into that fight with the mentality of, well, I'm just going to be Volk. And, you know, uh, Makachev had a better game plan, and that's why he won. And uh, I think that, you know, Volkanovsky, I think he, he, he takes this lesson and, uh you know, takes it with him into into camp coming up. You know, for for January, and uh, he, he's somebody who I don't think the loss affects him as much as people might think it will. Like it, it certainly didn't last time. Mm-hmm. I don't see any reason why it would this time. Okay, Kyle, do you share that same sentiment? Do you think Volk will be ready by January, or do you think we should have an interim before uh, the Volk Elia Petora fight? Yeah, I mean, like, you know, I think Volkanovski is one of the greatest fighters of all time. And I, I really do believe, like, when he says he'll be ready, and I think that that's kind of what it feels like he needs. You know, he needs to be in the gym. He needs to be able to constantly be on a fighting schedule where he can be in great shape all the time. But mm-hmm. at the same time, barely losing a decision and getting knocked out in the first round is very different. And there's a stat out there, and – I don't, I don't know. I don't have it in front of me, so I don't know exactly what it is. It's, and it's like any any UFC fighter, um, on it's, I believe it's welterweight and below. Once they turn 35, nobody has defended their title. And I think I think the only person who I think it was Tyron Woodley once. Going that anytime they turn 35, they're they're basically toast and they're on the decline. And I'm not trying to say that that's what Volkanovski like that's what he's due for. I'm mm-hmm. just saying. I think that the record is against him, yeah. I think he's very capable of going in January and being looking like one of the best fighters in the world, like we've always seen him for these past few years. And but I'm just, I just don't want to see him fight a guy like Taporia, who has insane knockout power, mm-hmm. and it could go from, you know, he's going to go in very confident, but he was very confident at the time, and I just don't want to see him getting possibly knocked out again and then and then you're kind of in a place where it's like okay what do you even do from here because you've been knocked out twice in two different weight divisions and that's probably real tough on your body 
And I mean, I'm not saying that he shouldn't. I'm just saying he should be cautious before he goes and fights a guy like Poirier. Sure. Yeah, I'm a little worried that he's jumping the ship too early, but he is one of the, you know, best of all time here. So, you know, if someone can figure that out, I think it's him. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was UFC 294. Um, overall thoughts, good card, average card. Um, any last words on it before we kind of jump into some news and notes that we have uh, before wrapping this up? Uh, I think I think it was a great card. I thought it was entertaining. You know, um, I, I know people like to see flashy knockouts, not always you know uh, grappling and submissions, but uh, mm-hmm. I thought it was entertaining. Uh, a couple of surprises, a couple of twists. I mean, that's uh, that's just UFC. So yeah, I believe it's on record to being the. Sh- I think it's the shortest uh, main card. Uh, ever, I think it, I think it just went over yeah. like two. I think it was like two hours and five minutes total. I think it's like the shortest yep. UFC main card that they've ever had. No, it, 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 it was like over. There were a lot of first round knockouts, so I mean it makes sense. But um, and then just to kind of go over, so you know, we, we recorded a podcast last week that unfortunately couldn't go up, but I want to give my congrats to Kyle. Uh, he went four and zero technically in uh, predictions without the jo- – we're going to kind of take the Johnny Walker no contest out of it because it's not really fair because no one really won that one. But outside of that one, Kyle went 4-0. Uh, I went 3-1, and and uh, Steven went 2-2 two and two in the main card. So it's a quick update if, if we're keeping score here. Uh, Tyler, unfortunately, wasn't there, but hopefully you're here for the next one. Um, so jump and shift here. Uh, we have, I think, only one or two quick news notes here before we wrap up. Uh, but obviously the big one that came out a couple days ago, uh, John Jones, while in training, getting prepared for his fight against Stevie Miocic, uh, unfortunately gets hurt. He's getting surgery on his pec, I believe. Yeah, I think it was like a partial tear in his pec or something, uh, which is going to be about eight months of recovery time. And so 295 will not be John Jones and Steve Miocic anymore. Instead, the Alex Pereira uh, jury fight will go into the main event and an interim heavyweight champion will be crowned between uh, Sergei Popovich and Tom uh, Espinal. So Big change to 295. Uh, Tyler, I'll, I'll hit you first here. What was your reaction to seeing John Jones get hurt, and how does this new 295 card, you know, more interested, less interested, or just as excited as um, uh, when John Jones was there? I'm going to say just as excited. You know, it, it's always a good time to uh, get ready to go watch uh, John Jones step into the octagon. I mean, he's the – Greatest fighter of all time. I don't, I don't think anybody can really, you know, debate that right now. It's kind of like, you know, Tom Brady for football, you know. Sure. Um, but uh, I I wasn't expecting it to be very close between him and Stipe, and that's no disrespect to Stipe. He's had a great career in the UFC, and, you know, he was the heavyweight champion for a long time for a reason. But, uh, you know, he's a bit on the lighter side of uh, – heavyweight and John Jones was obviously a bit on the heavier side of a light heavyweight and uh you know clearly you know we saw that against Gon John Jones can be every bit as capable at heavyweight as he was at light heavyweight and uh you know just uh the last time Stipe fought was I believe uh against Nganu uh mm-hmm. 
and uh, he he did not look as fierce as we were uh, used to him seeing, and I don't think that's you know as much of a discredit to Stipe as it was a credit to Ngannou, but uh, I. I think that, uh, you know, given his age and where he's at in his career and where John Jones is at, you know, coming off a huge win, I just think given, given the track record of both fighters, I, I would have to give that one to, to John Jones. I think he should be a, a bit of a heavier favorite in that fight. So I'm, I'm going to say just as excited only because uh, I think that we got some better fights coming up with uh, – uh, Alex Pereira, and then the interim uh, heavyweight champion. Okay. Um, I'm going to lean towards uh, Popovich and uh, Pereira for those two fights. Okay. Awesome. And uh, Kyle, same question to you. Um, less excited, more excited, just as excited um, in reaction to uh, losing John Jones from this card, but getting the, the Pavlovich Espinal fight instead. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, waking up to see something like that, it's it's a pretty, pretty crazy feeling, you know. You're so excited to be able to watch John Jones again. Felt like he'd been gone forever, and then he came back for that gone fight, and it was over in less than a second. And so you were actually kind of excited to to watch, you know, John Jones hopefully fight in a real fight against CPM Miocic. But at the same time, like, this main this main card, this main fight was mainly for the name value. Like, mm-hmm. John Jones is the heavyweight, you know, title holder. But this, that was very clear once John Jones got hurt. Stipe was like, nope, I'm gone. And 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 they put, you know, two two of the best heavyweights in the division for the title. And I think that's, that's what they should have done. And so it just depends, you know, what kind of a fan are you? Are you a, you know, just a casual fan who only is watching for the name value? Then, yeah, you're going to be pissed because John Jones isn't fighting anymore. And you're probably pissed if you bought $1,000 tickets at Madison Square Garden. But if you're a more hardcore fan, then, I mean, you you got to love being able to see two of the best heavyweights in the UFC right now go against each other to, for the interim title. And I didn't. I thought that both of these, Stipe and Jones, were going to retire. Anyway, I don't think John Jones saying he won would want to have anything to do with someone like Sergey Pavlovich, who's just a crazy Russian, just loves punching people in the face. Mm-hmm. I thought he'd stay away from that, keep his perfect record. But no, if you if you if you like if you're a big fan of the sport, then it's definitely a good thing to you know be able to get kind of a the new faces uh, at top heavyweight division. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's kind of a blessing, guys, to get more names in the heavyweight, like you said. I think uh, you know if John Jones would have just won. Or if Stipe would have went in there and won. I think it's like a guy we've seen a hundred times. I like getting some new names in the heavyweight division, um, along with like Derek Lewis is out there and stuff, kind of building a, a strong um, heavyweight division is important. Um, but yeah, I think that's everything we wanted to cover, unless I'm missing something. Kyle or Tyler, is there anything else you guys wanted to run through or, or discuss before we kind of wrap this one up? Uh, no, I think we covered it all, and I think uh, you know you you both have a a, a great point there. You know, heavyweight's been a pretty top heavy division for a long time, and I'm pretty glad to see it get shaken up a bit. Mm-hmm. Kyle, anything anything else uh, on your mind, or are you good to good to go on here? Good. Awesome. Well, um, 
Well, that will be uh, this week's show covering UFC 294 and that John Jones breaking news. Uh, obviously, next week we'll be hitting up the uh, long-awaited, not long-awaited, but the one we're all waiting for, the uh, Derek Lewis fight night card will be next week. So I know we'll all be super glad to be uh, – you know, talking about that card and uh, our predictions for that will be up next week. But uh, thanks for all listening. Uh, we had Tyler here. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't have Steven here. And we had the Whaleman, uh, Kyle Budzanowski. I'm the Merp, so Mike Merple. And we'll see you guys, as always, next time.